0: from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hi, right,
1: Bill Cunningham, the great American. And for the great one, Mark Levin, he's on sabbatical, independent study. We'll be back on with you tomorrow night, but I'm honored to be here in his stead. Kind of a relief pitcher, but the great one will be back tomorrow night Gary Cohn, economic advisor to the president, uh, seemingly is stepping down, announced an hour or two ago he is a complete free trader. He's an industrialist, Goldman Sachs kind of a guy. And that doesn't fit the blue-collar attitude of Donald J. Trump. So uh, as far as Gary Cohn is concerned, I'd say good riddance to him. And uh, what the Trumpster is doing relative to tariffs and trade is great. But uh, to start things off tonight, I, I want to pop any bubble that you might have that somehow... When the president, which he did a few days ago on the the gun control issue, and what he did like three weeks ago on immigration somehow might bear some fruit, much like dealing with North Korea, Kim Jong-un, dealing with that guy, the bad haircut, the fat dude, never going to give up nuclear weapons. The Democrats are never, ever, ever going to stand behind the president signing some uh, improvement in the gun situation, which, which I think needs little improvement whatsoever. But think about this. Think about a month or two goes by. It's a uh, warm uh, late April day, and the president is in the uh, Rose Garden. Standing behind him is uh, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and all the liberals in the Congress. And the Republicans, the Democrats, and the president have all come together, and they have solved the gun difficulties, whatever they might be. And everyone is beaming. The president pulls out his pen and makes several small strokes and hands out the pens to Schumer and to Pelosi and all the gun control freaks on the left. Can you picture that happening in the real world? Are you kidding me? Curtis Lewa knows that will never happen. The Democrats will never give this president a legislative victory when it comes to guns. It makes Every proposal that's been introduced, whether it's the bump stocks or the AR-15, so-called assault weapon, which it is not, limiting the number of bullets in the clips, whatever it is you might raise to 21, whatever it is you want to say, more background checks will have zero, zilch, nada, no impact whatsoever in the uh, so-called gun uh, crime debate. Not Nothing to do with it. We all know that. In fact, one cannot think of anything that uh, a law would have stopped some other lawbreaker from breaking. It doesn't matter. The Democrats are going to run in September and October on a platform of, Eliminating the presidency of Donald John Trump. They want Trump gone by any means necessary. So if the Democrats would counsel with the Republicans and pass some meaningless piece of gun legislation and then allow the president to invite them to the Rose Garden and to stand there behind the president solving a problem, that will never happen. The Democrats care a whole bunch more about politics than about policy. So if you give this president a major victory on guns, which will have nothing, zero, zilch, nada to do with guns uh, committing crimes in the hands of vicious criminals, that would destroy their narrative in the fall that there's chaos in Washington, that Trump can get nothing done. So why would the Democrats hand on a silver platter the issues they want to run on to the president, which you will throw in a garbage can? It will never happen. And I don't care what you say the improvements might be whether they're bump stocks, AR-15s, whatever you want to ban, whatever you want to stop. We have 10,000 gun laws right now in 10,000 different ways that uh, prohibits criminals from committing vicious activities. Bump stocks, high clip capacities, 21, not 18, a so-called assault weapons ban which failed under Clinton. Greater background checks, so what? At a gun show, so what? What does that mean? Does that mean the Sandy Hook or that means Mateen or that means Fort Hood or that means Gabby Giffords wouldn't have happened? Absolutely not. And the Democrats know it and the Republicans know it and you know it and I know it. So how in the world is the president wasting his time talking to Chuck Schumer about gun control when he knows or should know that those Democrats will never stand behind him in the Rose Garden and give him the victory? The same thing about immigration. We all know what needs to be done with immigration. Build more of the border fences, about 600 miles now. Build another 1,000 miles on the border. That will never happen because the Democrats won't let it happen. Do what you can about DACA. The president has called their bluff and said, okay, 1.8 million. We're going to give citizenship, not residency, which I could support down the road and get in line, but actual citizenship to 1.8 million DACA recipients. And when he did that, the Democrats didn't know what to do. They said, what? You're going to a Republican president uh, are going to give illegal aliens brought here illegally legal status and citizenship. And they could not accept yes for an answer. So they came up, came up with every artifact to make it make sure the president was not in the Rose Garden standing behind him, Schumer and Pelosi smiling that the president has solved the immigration problem. Is that ever going to happen politically? Think about this. If you're listening in New York, Florida, Texas, listening in California, are the Democrats from blue states, going to capitulate or agree with the president to solve any major problems in this country? Absolutely not. Trump is wasting his time with immigration and guns, and what's going to work or not work is the economy. And this tariff bluff, I think it's a bluff, because you don't know when you put the tariff ball in play, you don't know where it's going to go. Gary Cohn has quit a couple hours ago, chief economic advisor, good riddance to him. And so don't tell me that somehow law enforcement also is the solution. Here's what's happened to the FBI recently. And you'd have to say, in the last uh, 16 years, for 12 or 13 of them, Mueller was the director of the FBI. And during that entire time, Andrew McCabe was in high positions in the FBI, and Rod Rosenstein was in high positions in the Department of Justice. Going back in time, long back in time, the FBI interviewed Lee Harvey Oswald a month before he blew Kennedy's head off. And they cleared Lee Harvey Oswald, who a month later went and killed Kennedy. Then also with Nicholas Cruz, the Parkland, Florida mass murderer. Of course, they were cleared by the FBI, or not even investigated twice. On September 25th, FBI got a tip on a Nicholas Cruz, didn't do a darn thing with it. January 5th got another tip, FBI. Here's the guy's name. He's a mass murderer in waiting. He's going to shoot up a school. He's got an AR-15. He's got mental problems. Guess what? Nothing happened. Zero, zilch, nada, nothing happened. And this was during a time, among other things, that Cruz assaulted fellow students, cursed out teachers, kicked in classroom doors, started fist fights on and off campus, threw chairs, some chairs in school through windows, threatened to kill other students, threatened to kill teachers, threatened to kill his own mother, and his uh, surrogate mother mutilated small animals and drank gasoline and also cut himself. Are those red flags or not? The FBI knew or should have known on uh, January the 5th what was going on. What did the FBI do? Zero, zilch, nod at nothing. Dylan Roof in 2015, with uh, Mueller's out of the FBI by this point, but Rod Rosenstein is in the Department of Justice along with Andrew McKay. In 2015... Dylan Roof should not have had the uh, 40 Glock that he purchased because there were errors committed by the FBI, which allowed him to buy the gun that killed nine African Americans in Charleston. They were he was cleared by the FBI. Dylan Roof, in a sense, Nicholas Cruz, by inaction, was cleared by the FBI. Omar Mateen, Orlando, who pledged allegiance to ISIS before killing 49 people at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando similarly seemed to have fallen through the cracks. The FBI investigated Omar Mateen twice before the slaughter and ruled him not a threat both times. FBI, FBI, Department of Justice, under Rosenstein and McCabe. Later, uh, before that, Major uh, uh, Army uh, Major uh, Nadal Hassan had been in contact directly with Al-Qaeda terrorist Al-Laki and many others, and they declined to investigate him. A congressional probe found that the FBI... Had failed to alert the U.S. Army about Hassan and that the shooting could and should have been prevented. He killed 13 brave American soldiers about to be deployed to Iraq because the FBI cleared Hassan, who went on to kill American soldiers, brave American soldiers. In 2013, the Boston bombing, under the leadership of Andrew McCabe and Rod Rosenstein, and by that point, uh, Mueller had just left the FBI, America was notified by Russia that the Tsarnaev brothers were terrorists, and that they were going to commit an act of mass terror in America. Of course, an FBI-led task force questioned the future terrorists and murderers, and the FBI cleared them. So the FBI cleared Lee Harvey Oswald. They cleared, indirectly by inaction, Nicholas Cruz. They cleared Dylan Roof. They cleared Omar Mateen. They cleared Army Major Nadal Hassan. They cleared the Tsarnaev brothers. In fact, one might ask... The best way to predict a future terrorist or mass murderer is if the FBI interviews somebody, and guess what? They get cleared. I don't want to be cleared by the FBI. And this is a constant difficulty because the FBI, consisting of about 34,000 agents, are completely, utterly overwhelmed, investigating irrelevant stuff like the Russian collusion delusion and not investigating important stuff like the Boston Marathon bombing, like the Fort Hood shooter, like Omar Mateen, like Dylan Roof, and like uh, Nicholas uh, Cruz, they were so overwhelmed they could not do their job. Every part of government failed with Cruz, every part. The federal government failed through the FBI. The state Children's Protective Service in Florida cleared Nicholas Cruz and said no difficulty. Broward County knew or should have known, the Sheriff's Department and the CPS, 39 visits, that he committed numerous felonies, including carrying weapons to school, including bullets, including fights, including grand theft, including a bunch of other stuff. But Broward County had a policy with the uh, school that they would stop the uh, classroom to prison pipeline because that's what Obama wanted. So I look at this, and, and so now instead of dealing with the inactions, the inefficiencies, and the incompetence, of the FBI, the state of Florida, every level of government. It's all about some inanimate metal object, or it's about a freedom-loving organization like the NRA. Sick to death by this. And the media continues to cover a bunch of complete irrelevancies, like Sam Nunberg last night, who seemingly was drunk on CNN, saying that he had information about the president knew about the Russian meeting. Then CNN sends over uh, their reporters to Thailand to investigate a russian prostitute who says she has the dirt on trump complete irrelevancies your reaction let's continue the line tonight of course is 8773813811 uh, 8773813811 this is driving me frigging crazy what i'm watching in my country important good stuff is going on The president is having a tremendous first more than a year of his presidency, by any fair measurement. There is not chaos in the White House. There might be chaos at CNN because Jim Acosta has not been called on recently, but there's not the chaos described by the mainstream media because America is working. It is successful. We're doing things. It's okay. And if it would take four or five completely irrelevant so-called gun control steps, that would stop the madness, I'd say, okay, let's do that four or five things. But I guarantee you, when the Democrats will not give this president any legislative victory, if they would, give him a bump stock ban or a high-capacity clip ban or 21 instead of 18 or a greater background check, whatever they would give him, and then then there would be another and another and another mass shooting, the radical leftists would say, you know what, we did all those things, but it wasn't enough. We have to do more and more, and more. And it will never stop until every gun is confiscated and the freedoms that we all love have evaporated. Let's get your reaction. Once again, the number to call, Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for Mark Levin. It is 877 Cunningham, in for Levin. Mark
2: Levin.
1: in for Mark Levin. Back at it tomorrow night. Mark is fine. Be with you tomorrow night. One last thought before I turn it over to uh, Raj and Mark and Scott and Phil and Ryan and all the American people. I live in a part of the country, Cincinnati, Ohio, that is a little bit urban but mainly rural. There are parts of Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, Texas, Idaho, Nebraska, North and South Dakota, parts of California, honestly upstate New York, in which... It is no problem whatsoever for a teacher, a custodian, a principal, an administrator, a counselor, to carry a gun. There's various ways of doing it. You could have lock boxes with fingerprints. You could have a vest on and carry it inside. There are about 9 to 12 states. I've heard the number differently each time. But there are many, many states in which, right now, teachers or other administrators are carrying guns in the school right now. It's happening. It's not an argument. It is occurring successfully. In the years this has happened, how many shootings have taken place in a school in which a teacher has carried a gun? Correct. The answer is none. Hasn't happened yet. Gun-free zones tends to attract the criminally insane because they can get away with their business for a period of time before they're shot. And if Drew Peterson, the special deputy in Broward County, had been courageous despite his protestations, and had gone in, in the first 90 seconds, it is very likely that this uh, criminally insane mass murderer would not have shot 31 people, killing 17. Very likely. But he was cowardly and stayed outside. So the argument is a canard. It is a false choice between arming teachers or not arming teachers. Teachers are armed right now in large parts of the country. The issue becomes in urban areas, because of metal detectors, guns can't get in. And the first thing that happens when a mass shooting takes place is what? 911, good guy with a gun, get here as soon as possible. More and more schools are going to hire hire off-duty deputies in uniform to actually be in the school. It's going to cost maybe 50 bucks an hour, and it might go on for 8 to 10 hours. Practically everywhere I go, there are guns at Reds baseball games. There's guns in New York Giants football games. There's guns in Madison Square Garden. There are guns in the Staples Center. Wherever you are in America, if you go to an arena, there's guns everywhere. Go to banks and shopping centers and malls. Go to a government building. Hell, there's guns everywhere. The only place that we don't put a gun is where the most precious item in America exists, which is young children. We don't give them the same props that we give giant football games, or Denver Nugget basketball games, or Lakers uh, basketball games, or Dodgers baseball games, or Reds games. We don't do that. Why is that? It's because the left has largely captured the debate about the use and the misuse of guns. And the media only trumpets one side of the equation. Within a few hours of of the last mass shooting in Parkland, Florida, the media quickly went from stunning, unbelievable sympathy, What do we do to gun control? It was a quick turn that took only a few minutes, if not a couple hours, headed up by Senator Murphy. Don't get it. Don't understand it. It's now up to you. As we continue, let's go to the calls. I told Richard Cementa, I'm done babbling. The executive producer, he's the Steven Spielberg of Mark Levin. We have Raj and Mark and Scott and Phil and Don. If the line becomes available, 877-381-3811. Let's continue. Bill Cunningham, the Great American.
0: than allowed by law the mark levin show call now at 877-381-3811 i'm
1: right, billy cunningham the great american in for the great one mark levin let's go right to the call. as i promised raj in vienna virginia raj welcome to the mark levin show please go hello raj well, let's go to Mark. Let's go to Mark in, uh, I think, Oregon, the home of the Ducks and the Beavers. Mark, go ahead. You're on the Mark Levin Show. Mark, go ahead. Hey, Ray, how are you doing today? Keeping a low profile, trying to defend American values. That's what I do on a daily basis. Any effort by Trump to reach out and strike a deal with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi is ridiculous. They will never, ever agree to yes. They will not agree. Go ahead.
3: Well, I was wondering why you're only defending a portion of the Second Amendment. Which portion? Well you you're defending the right to bear some arms not to bear all arms. Where in the constitution does it say that we cannot have machine guns and tanks?
1: Well, it says it because certain federal judges under Marbury versus Madison have said that there's limits to the second amendment much like in the first amendment, you can't it doesn't say you can't yell fire in a movie theater, but you can't because there is always limitations to unbridled rights, otherwise you could have a bazooka, you could have a nuclear bomb, you could have a nuclear submarine. And so I understand certain limitations. The words are not there, but because of the robes, the robes have given to the Constitution meaning and uh, deductions and exemptions and conclusions and inconclusiveness by describing the Constitution in ways the Founding Fathers would not recognize. And so, yes, uh, any any right in the Bill of Rights is not unbridled, they're not complete, And the courts have uh, pared away from certain of the rights that we have based upon uh, human experiences then existing, which as a lawyer, as a former attorney general, I agree with. Go ahead, Mark. You don't believe that
3: that's an example of judicial overreach to limit Uh, our rights to bear arms as American citizens?
1: No, I do not, because let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Can you yell fire in a movie theater?
3: You can, but you would face repercussions based upon our codes,
1: absolutely. Well, uh, well, same thing with Second Amendment or the Fourth Amendment or the Sixth Amendment. You have the right to a jury trial. Does it mean you have the right to 15 on a jury, 12, 5, or 3? I don't know. Let me ask you a question, Willie. You ready? Go ahead.
3: So where is the line? You say it's fine to ban some arms, but not to ban others. Who has decided where that line is? Well, let me no ask you this question.
1: Should, should individual Americans be allowed to possess uh, submachine guns? Yes. How, yes. How about tanks? Yes. How about tanks? Yes. How about nuclear to submarines? to the of a free state. We need that. Absolutely. You need a tank? Yes. How you, you like to it? have an M1A1 Abrams tank. Yes. Yes. What, what, what's the meaning of a uh, war <laughs> militia, Willie? Really? Well, I'm comfortable with the idea of defending myself, but I'm not comfortable with everyone in the world having a tank and a bazooka.
3: So the second amendment is based on your comfort and not on the vision of the founders of the It's great based country.
1: upon Marbury versus Madison. You know, one of the geniuses of our constitution was the third branch of government, Article 3 are the judges. And going back almost 200 years, the judges, for right or wrong, good or bad, have defined exactly in each generation what those rights are. Now, to say that you can't have a bazooka does not offend my sensibilities of the Second Amendment. To say I can't have an AR-15, that does offend me, because I should be able to have an AR-15, but a bazooka a bazooka, or a tank is something completely different.
3: We're talking about one of the fundament- fundamental laws in our country, and you say feelings and emotions should really have something to do with it. And I say sure it's about the law, the vision of the
1: Well, Congress. if you want to talk about uh, strict uh, construction of the Constitution, the Second Amendment says uh, arms. It doesn't say tanks or bazooka. Oh, right?
3: Well, it doesn't say R-15 uh, either, but you're defending that.
1: Well, that's an arm. I mean, okay. I, I can make the argument a rifle a pistol is like a firearm, but I cannot make the point that a bazooka or is a tank mentioned in the Second Amendment, and why do you think it should be there?
3: I think it should be there because it's a form of arms. An AR-15, no uh, semi-automatic pistol were not present when that document was, was uh, promulgated. So, therefore, you can't say that the exclusion of one and the inclusion of another is, is uh, the reason why it should be illegal. You Here know, it is.
1: A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Is the bazooka an arm? Yes. Is a nuclear is a nuclear bomb an arm? Yes. what well, that that's impossible. The founding fathers did not consider anything to be arms other than pistols and rifles. That's what that was in their mind. They didn't have bazookas, didn't have tanks, didn't have nuclear submarines. So, to use your logic, arms is what it needs to be, and limited to that.
3: They had no semi-automatic
1: weapons. Period. Really. But they had arms. Arms. Not semi-automatic arms. They, they had, didn't. Well, I don't know about that. They. Uh, Well, I'm not so sure, but nonetheless, to turn your argument on its side, arms does not mean these other weaponry. Arms means guns, and I'm rather unlimited when it comes to guns, AK-47s, AR-15s, that's fine. But somehow, if the legislature wants to pass a law that changes the Second Amendment, who's going to interpret whether or not that is correct or not?
3: Well, your statements reveal your ignorance,
1: sir. I'm ignorant. Let me ask you this. Have you been an assistant attorney general, and have you? do you have a juris doctorate degree? Come on, you're a radio lawyer. You don't use your... Radio. The hell I don't. I've been a federal law clerk. I've written books. I've defended criminals in court. I know exactly of which I speak. I've spent most of my life practicing law, and Mark, because you're disrespectful, you're out of here. Let's go to Scott in St. Louis. Scott in St. Louis, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Scott, go ahead.
4: Hey, Billy, wow, that's going to be a hard one to follow up on.
1: Well, you Jesus. tell me, uh, when the when the founders, when Madison and Jefferson wrote arms, what were they referring to? Weren't they referring to guns? Uh,
4: they're just, uh, no, they're, they're referring to guns, but I, I, all, all I can say about that is I, I want to know where he lives. i feel well protected, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, if that guy's got a bazooka and a tank, I want to live next door to him.
4: <laughs> yeah, right. No, I, I called because, you know... I hear you're absolutely right. There's no way that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are going to stand no, behind Trump. Because no, no. they don't they won't have nothing to rail against. Okay, that's, that's the key right there. Well,
1: can you imagine? I think Trump kind of said last week, in a sense he said, you pass whatever it is, bump stocks are gone, automatic, semi-automatics, whatever you pass, he's going to sign. And so when he said that, they said, oh, no, we can't let that out. We can't solve the problem. We want to We want to talk about the issue in the fall and win the House and Senate. We don't want to solve anything. That's not our job. And so for Trump to think that Nancy Pelosi is going to want to solve a problem? Are you kidding me?
4: Common sense. You know what? There, there are so many common sense things. That, you know what? Where I live at, Billy, we have uh, there's substations in almost every damn near – Every gas station has a substation, police substation. Good. If you're not willing to, if you're not willing to arm the faculty of a school, okay, fine. Then put a substation either Great. in or, or or near a campus.
1: Is that going to stop it? I mean, at, at this campus, I assume the crews knew that uh, Deputy Sheriff Peterson was there. I assume he went to school there. He got he got expelled numerous times, got suspended numerous times. But I assume that he knew. Peterson was somewhere on campus. Now, this is like an 18-acre campus. This is like one building. But maybe he knew he wasn't at that building. I don't know. But that didn't stop him anyway. And if a teacher wants to have a gun, I, you know, if you put me in charge, Scott, I would make this like a local issue, and I, I would have a national background check system. And then if the state of New York and the state of California and Illinois want to do different things than Ohio, Missouri, Idaho, and Oklahoma, that's good with me. Why not make it more of a local issue and let the locals decide whether or not there's armed cops or armed teachers in the school? They know more about it than you and I do in each school district, right?
4: Well, absolutely. And then the same people who are railing against people having packing weapons are being protected by weapons themselves.
1: Especially the Hollywood left when they... When they're rapists and harassers preaching to us about sexual harassment, their movies are filled with rape and guns and machine guns and heads being lobbed off talking to us about violence. this is the group saying they have an anti-gun attitude when their films are filled with guns. I mean, they are the hypocrites. And the worst place to be as a woman right now is in Hollywood, where you're going to be raped or harassed by Hollywood lefties that preach to you and I about how to behave with women.
4: Well, you know what? And that's another thing too. You know that, that Trump wanted to make 20, 21, or 21 years old to buy a gun. Yeah. Wow. But what about a woman who's a 20-year-old parent, that or, or, a, or a single male parent that got his, this 20 years old has a kid? Well, he's not supposed to have a gun to protect his family. That's
1: ridiculous. I mean, what's it? 25, 30? Well, what other constitutional right has an age limit on it? Can you? T- I mean, uh, does it say the freedom of speech begins when you're 21? That's to say you can practice your religion when you're twenty one, you can associate when you're twenty one, you can read the newspaper, listen to Mark Levin when you're twenty one. What other constitutional right is limited as an adult? The it's, only
4: thing I know the only thing I know of is you can't buy alcohol until you're twenty
1: one. I think yeah, that's sure. stupid too. That I mean you mean to tell me an American soldier in Iraq defending this nation he's twenty years old, can't have a bud light? It's ridiculous. I see. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and I I, it, It's ridiculous. If you put me in charge, it's either 18 or 20. That's the age. That's the magical age. But right now, the age is 18 in most states. If that's the age, you mean to tell me if a woman is uh, being challenged by a rapist and she's 20 years old and being beaten and harassed and victim is the best DV, that she can't go get a uh, 380 Sig Sauer P238 pocket light and defend herself because she's 20 and not 21? Come on.
4: Yeah, you know, you know what? I, I'm I'm a truck driver. I drive for a living. I, I told uh, another driver half 15, and he told me why Why do I need that? And I told him, Well, I said, I said What are you talking about? He says, Well, it's an assault weapon. I said, An assault weapon. I said, If I go no, out to my not. truck right now and get my t- my tire thumper and beat you senseless with it, it makes my tire thumper an assault weapon. I mean, people that have certain karate, like I think black belt or higher, had to register to themselves as a lethal weapon. I do believe still.
1: AR-15s are extremely useful in many sections of our country. In fact, that that last Texas shooting at a church, a neighbor had an AR-15, and he challenged the murderer and shot him with an AR-15 from a distance of about 50 yards. You you could not hit somebody from 50 yards with a handgun. But if you have an AR-15, whether it's uh, feral pigs or whether it's mass murderers 50 yards away, an AR-15 to a Korean grocer in Los Angeles or to the neighbor of that church shooting in Texas, was the only way to, to defend the church, to defend those people. AR-15s are just weapons like anything else. I mean, a 9-glock, a 40-glock, a 9-millimeter, a three eighty six hour uh, a, a Lady Smith & Wesson. They'll kill you just as good as anything else. AR-15 is made to look the way it looks for cosmetic purposes, for sales purposes. It is used to sell the gun at about 1400 $1,500 each. It's no more lethal than a forty Glock, correct?
4: That's absolutely right, true. And also, you can go to a lot of stores uh, and you can buy uh, a semi-automatic M16 and a semi-automatic AK47 assault rifle. Good. Uh, all kinds of. I mean, they just look scary, but that it, yeah. one, one pull the finger and the trigger comes out, and it's part of the bump stock thing, that is ridiculous. you know what? Some, somebody can make that in their basement. Somebody can make absolutely. It in their basement. You,
1: you, Absolutely. He can agree to anything. We have to run, Scott, but he can agree to anything. Trump can agree to anything and pass any law. It will have no impact on the criminally insane and on terrorists. And the crime rate is going down. Murder rate is going down. Uh, rape is going down. The only thing going up is opioid addiction and, and uh, massive drug use and also uh, legislation from the left that will have nothing to do with solving the gun violence problem in this country. Zero. Nothing to do. And so when these things are passed, which they won't be in two or three months, and then the next mass shooting takes place, there's going to be another cry from the left. Well, we did all these things with bump stocks and with uh, high capacity clips and with background checks, and that wasn't enough. Now we got to do more. Then there'll be another mass shooting. Well, we got to do more. Well, that didn't work. We got to do more. Got to do more. The goal is to register every gun and to charge people one to two hundred dollars each to make money for government to, re- or to register the gun every year or two, much like a car. That's the goal. Scott, we got to go. Thanks for your call. If a line becomes available, 877-381-3811. Radio attorney Bill Cunningham in for Mark Levin. Mark
2: Levin.
1: I have further evidence that the Mark Levin audience is the best in radio. When you make a mistake, you're uh, corrected. This is from Denny from Dayton, Ohio. AR 15 is not effective against feral pigs. In coastal Carolina, they use 50 cal sniper rifles. That's what it takes to safely take down a feral pig. And they do it with night scopes. Very real problem. Those who work in cubicles would have them try handguns. Great point. Great point. Let's continue now. I tell you, one other thing to consider is this that an AR 15 or an AK 47 or a bunch of other semi automatic rifles have little functionality difference to a 40 Glock, a 357, or a 1912 slider. About the same thing, you know? The effect is the same. If you get shot by a 357 or a Glock, even my little 380 Sig Sauer pocket light, the result in effect is going to be about the same, which is you're dead or mortally wounded. It doesn't make a whole bunch of difference. It is cosmetic more than anything. It is not changing the outcome of some event. I watched the clown, Jeffrey Toobin of CNN, about a week ago say, well, the 40 Glock is no match for an AR-15. The hell it isn't. If the cop had walked up behind Nicholas Cruz or just from 20 or 30 feet away, with a 40 automatic with 14 shells, and started unloading on Nicholas Cruz, believe me, he would be dead. It would stop. The reason cops carry Glocks is because it is heavy ammo, and it has about 2,000 feet a second, as opposed to an AR-15, that's about 2,700 feet a second. But the effect on the human body is exactly the same, which is you're dead, and it stops you. I'll ask you this question. How many times has a cop shown up at a mass shooting and stopped it in progress? Can someone give me one example in which police in their ninja outfits show up at a mass shooting and the police during the mass shooting stops it from transpiring? Can anyone think of one incident of a cop or a bunch of cops stopping a mass shooting in stroke as it's going on? I'm in the news, I'm on the radio six days a week, I read everything I can. There might be one or two, but I can't think of any. And the reason is, cops show up later when all the carnage is completed, and normally the mass shooter, criminally insane or terrorist, is dead. Omar Mateen, dead. Dylan Roof is the exception. Didn't have the guts to kill himself. He should have killed himself. But it it is a canard to say, call the police, they will come and stop a mass shooting. Give me an example. Call me. Tell me where I'm wrong. 877-381-3811. Can you think of one circumstance in the literally thousands of shootings that we've had, a few of which are so-called mass shootings, where a cop shows up at a mass shooting as it's going on and stops it from, ha- from happening? Drew Peterson was in that situation in Broward County. He, he was there 90 seconds after the event took place, and it was six minutes long. He could have ran up to the third floor and probably stopped it from happening, but he did not do it. A coward did not do it, and he's a coward. Even the clown, Sheriff Israel, says that Drew Peterson should—he uh, was going to fire him. So let's continue. The line becomes available eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. A great night. Tough weather on the East Coast. Rest of the country doing quite well. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin.
5: Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN.
0: He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mike Levin
1: not here tonight be back with you tomorrow night bill cunningham here the great american and uh, i want to i want to talk about this canard out there by jeffrey Tubin of cnn that the glock is no match for an ar-15 so we have a police officer retired joining us now from colorado mark welcome to the mark levin show mark please go ahead
6: Hey, how are you? I'm just uh, listening in on your show and heard you talking about why police officers use Glocks, et cetera. And no disrespect, sir, but um, uh, you, you you really need to um, sharpen up on your, um, your knowledge there because you couldn't be more incorrect. Tell me. Well, first of all, the reason that police officers carry Glocks is because, A, it's a European-made weapon. It's uh, virtually indestructible. Uh, the capacities for rounds vary. Um, and it's actually the ballistics of the round itself uh, that inflicts the damage. It's not the gun. It's not the weapon. It's not the handgun that does it. Uh, your, your information on the ballistics of an AR-15, uh, which is actually a 5.56 NATO or .223 uh, American round, um, when people like myself, former cops, former military, hear people like you talk about it, it, it just kind of makes our skin crawl uh, because – what you're disseminating out to the public is not accurate information.
1: Let me ask you this. If you, as a police officer with a Glock, stood from a distance of 20 to 30 feet behind Nicholas Cruz and his back was to you and you shot him two or three times in the back with a Glock, what would happen?
6: Well, right there, uh, Bill, and not to be disrespectful, with a Glock, there's multiple calibers of Glocks. There's 9 millimeters, 10s, 45s, 380s. It would depend on the round of ammunition you were using in that weapon, not not the fact that it's just a Glock.
1: Well, no, no let me ask you, he, uh, Peterson had a forty, had a forty forty caliber Glock, and, and the point Jeffrey Tuom was being made, if he shot Nicholas Cruz with a with a Glock, a forty caliber Glock, it would have no impact.
6: That's absolutely incorrect. Of course. Where, where, is he, yeah, where does he hit him? Does
1: well, hit him I would assume. 30? Well, it's hard to hit even from twenty or thirty feet. You're a retired cop. If you're 20 to 30 feet behind Nicholas Cruz and all hell's breaking loose and he's got his back to you and he's firing his AR 15, and and if you unloaded on him, isn't there a very good chance that an average cop would hit him several times? Yes, sir. Now, Jeffrey uh, Tubman made the point that if that happened, that would probably not stop Nicholas Cruz. Would that stop him?
6: That that is incorrect. Of course it would.
1: Of course. That's the the point
6: I'm making. Yeah, the big thing you said in there is when all hell breaks loose. And, and sir, this alludes to another question about should we arm teachers. 99.99999% of people that are carrying a handgun, whether it's concealed or on their hip legally in this country, have never, ever, ever been in a firefight. As a matter of fact, very few police officers ever pull that weapon in their entire career. So to arm an untrained individual, such as a teacher, is is a disaster. It's a nightmare. The first thing that's going to happen there, Bill, is you're going to have what's called suicide by teacher, just like we've had suicide by cop. There are people running around this country. Their mission is to engage a police officer in a firefight, and they're going to lose 99% of the time. That's called suicide by cop. The first case that we get where it's a student that commits, quote-unquote, suicide by teacher that's when all hell breaks loose, sir, as far as firearms in this country. And you mark my words, it's going to happen. There's going to be a kid that's going to want to be a martyr, that's going to want to try and do whatever he has to do, whether diminished mental capacity, immaturity, lack of frontal cerebral cortex development, whatever excuse you want to come up with, it's going to happen if we arm teachers. We need professionals that know what it's like to engage in a firefight guarding our schools just like they guard our celebrities, just like they guard our airports, just like they guard our compulsive military installation.
1: Well, look, I know the first casualty of war are the battle plans. And when all hell breaks loose, right now we have teachers in America, a couple thousand teachers right now are armed inside about nine to ten states In hundreds of schools. Right now, it's already happened. It's been going on for a number of years. And the point I'm making, it ought to be a local decision. Now, that is a tough local decision. In some rural counties in Idaho, for example, the cops are 20 to 30 miles away, and the school board will not or cannot hire an off-duty retired or whatever cop to be there. And so in that situation, in a rural environment, the school board allows teachers to carry guns or lockboxes, and I see nothing wrong with that at all, because, uh, Mark, it's happening right now. I the, agree. The, the, yeah. the, the, this is an argument that, you know, maybe in some areas of the country, I know, most of my friends that I know and run around with have guns and have concealed carry permits. And you can go through training. But there's no way somebody in a firefight can duplicate what happens when someone is shooting back at you. There's no way that can be duplicated. All hell breaks loose. And Jeffrey Tubman of CNN made the point that because Peterson, the deputy, had a 40 Glock, that it was no match for an AR-15. And I say to that balderdash, the reason he had that gun on him is because it's effective at short ranges. And if Peterson had gone up to the third floor, and according to one of the teachers, he started one end of the hallway and walked toward the other, and his back never turned around. And if Peterson was 20 to 30 feet away, isn't it fair to say that with all the hell breaking loose and all the, all the, all the uh, smoke and all the sound, that it is very likely Peterson would have shot him in the back?
6: If if that's how how he was approaching him from the rear, yes, that's but my point. Yes, he could have, should have, would have, and should have been uh, uh, able to
1: take the shooter down. Wouldn't you Again, have done that? not you have gone in? Absolutely. Why absolutely. didn't Peterson? Peterson's if, if lawyer says. A yeah, Peterson's lawyer came up with some baloney as to why he didn't go in. The guy was six five, weighed two hundred and forty pounds, thirty three years a cop. He he was the uh, school resource officer for about seven years. He probably knew the children there somewhat because he was there for seven years. And to stand outside for like four and a half to five minutes listening to an AR-15, his lawyer said it sounded like firecrackers. I have heard AR-15s. They sound nothing like firecrackers. Would you agree?
6: That's correct. Absolutely. And you just answered your question with your statement. Thirty years a cop. I am am not throwing away a 30-year pension over something that I don't know anything about. That and that is bull. His job is to protect and defend. He should have he should have ran in there instantaneously. That entire department should have ran into that school and aggressed that shooter and taken him out. That's what they are hired to do. They're not hired to be stand buyers. To no. observe. They no. are they are hired to be aggressive. They are trained to be aggressive. And that's what they should have done.
1: Well, what happened to Peterson? Nobody Peterson. was there. There was no command officer there. He, he was the school resource It was the SRO on site. It took about eight minutes for the first cop to arrive. They didn't know it. But at that point, Nicholas Cruz had already left, but they didn't know that. And according to... Uh, According to the Coral Springs Police Department, Broward County sheriffs were hiding behind their cars.
6: One of two scenarios is only, is only likely in that, in that situation. One, Deputy Peterson or Officer Peterson said, I'm not throwing away, I'm not risk- I've got 30 years in this job, I'm not risking it. Or two, someone above him told him to stand down. Those are the only two scenarios.
1: Well, you know, I'm sure he was thinking... There's no way a cop hearing an AR-15 would ever, ever confuse that sound with a firecracker. There's no way.
6: That's very true.
1: That's I've true. heard it. I've stood next to people. I own an AR-15, and I shot it. And, frankly, I got rid of it because I didn't feel comfortable with it, much like I don't feel comfortable comfortable with, uh, with, uh, with chainsaws. Uh, I don't feel comfortable using them. And I shot my AR-15 a little bit, and I gave it to a friend of mine. I didn't want it. And I kept my own weapons, which are handguns, and I felt uncomfortable. And once you're around an AR-15 or an AK, you never forget that sound. And Peterson's lawyer said a few days ago that the reason he did not, not enter, he was confused and thought it was firecrackers.
6: Absolutely insane. All right. Absolutely insane.
1: Mark, thank you. Let's continue with more. Brian in Tennessee. T is for Texas and T is for Tennessee. Brian, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Please go ahead.
3: Uh, I hate to jump on the bandwagon, but uh, originally I wanted to talk about the fact that when they discussed arms in the Constitution, they were talking about all the weapons. We have nuclear arms. We have small arms, which is what a rifle is. Rifle and pistols are small arms. That means that there's obviously larger arms. I'm retired military, and and I did a police thing, and uh, I read an article today to go with what was just said, is there was a captain, the female captain, that told them not to go in, and like the gentleman said before me, he didn't want to mess
0: his pension up.
1: Well, there, there's funny. been reporting on that, Brian, but that could not have happened until about eight minutes into the incident. Peterson was there in the first 90 seconds. There was nobody telling him to stand down in the first 90 seconds. He was he was on site. He was at the freshman building outside, and his lawyer said he thought it was firecrackers and didn't think. It was uh, happening inside the school, and I would imagine all hell was breaking loose. I would imagine hundreds of kids were running and screaming. I would imagine there was smoke everywhere. Well, when those things are fired, unless you have muff- uh, muffles on your ears, you-, you can lose your ability to uh, hear immediately, and you can't hear anything. But cops are trained to do that, right? Cops are supposed to do Cops are supposed to go inside to try to save lives, even though you're going to lose your pension. And he spent 30, I imagine... I imagine his pension had more to do with his cowardice than anything else.
3: I, I questioned the same thing when I first heard it too, and that's and you're right. I'm military, and cops are taught to run toward it, not away from it.
1: And he uh, he, he froze. <laughs> I mean, he froze. And there, there was reporting a couple days ago that they had school start at Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of last week, and a couple teachers went inside their classrooms shut the wooden doors and locked them and would not let students who were pounding in the door into the classroom. And some of those students were killed. And some of the parents of those kids who were murdered because the teacher did not open the door have a serious lawsuit against everybody, including those teachers. But the one teacher that was identified said, We're trained to open the door, let everybody in that we can, then shut the door, lock it, and do not open it again. That's what we're trained to do. And he said, I, as far as I knew, that was, that was the murderer trying to get in. I wasn't going to open the door. So when all hell breaks loose, the first casualty of war is the battle plans. You may think you know what to do, but until you're in that situation and somebody is murdering and firing back at you and the sounds are so loud you can't hear a damn thing and smoke is everywhere, you don't know what the hell is going to happen. But I know one thing, if I'm a cop and i got a gun, I'm going into that school and see what I can do.
0: That same thing I would have done.
1: Yeah, but that's not the case. Brian, we got to go. Thanks for your call. We have Don, Andrew, and John. A couple lines open if you call now, 877-381-3811. Bill Cunningham, the great American, and for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. American in for the great one Mark Levin did you see this on the judge report that is Dick Sporting Goods and Walmart are being sued by a 20 year old alleging age discrimination which of course it is a 20 year old Oregon man has accused Walmart and Dick Sporting Goods of age discrimination for refu- refusing to sell him a rifle Tyler Watson filed a Oregon County Court lawsuit against the retailers on Monday what yesterday day before yesterday Six, uh, yesterday, six days after they announced they would not sell guns to buyers under the age of 21. Oregon law allows state residents to buy shotguns or rifles as of the age of 18. And Oregon, the home of the Ducks and the Beavers, are not exactly a conservative enclave. Federal law allows people 18 and older to buy rifles or shotguns from licensed dealers. Watson's lawsuit may be the first of its kind, his attorney has said uh, in the great state of Oregon. He went to Field and Stream. Field and Stream is owned by Dick's in Medford, Oregon, on February the 24th for the purpose of buying a 22 caliber Ruger rifle. He left after being told that they would not sell him the firearm because he's 20 years old. Can you tell me the stupidity of that policy? 18, 19, 20. You can marry, you can divorce, you can fight in the military, you can contract, do all kinds of adult things, drive cars, whatever. But one thing you can't do is buy a shotgun when you're 20 years old got to wait another few weeks or months to you're 21. How stupid is that? That is real stupid. And I don't like stupid, and you can't fix stupid. If somebody would tell me the two or three minor things that could happen that everybody can agree on to pass, and then from this point for the rest of my life, for the rest of your life, the Second Amendment will be left alone. Just tell me the stupid things we have to do that are completely irrelevant to solving the problem such as bump stocks, or raising the age of 21, or background checks at uh, gun shows, commercial gun shows. Tell me what we got to do. And if everybody in the country would say, if we do these two or three things, that ends it for the next 50 years, I would lower my head and say, let's end this stupid debate. We all know that bump stocks and age and uh, commercial background checks at gun shows have nothing ever to do with the commission of crime. Nothing. The safest place to be in America is at a gun show. The safest group of people to be around are concealed carry permit holders. We are 99.99% criminal and crime-free. Otherwise, you can't get the permit, and you're a functioning human being. A lot of our nation, of course, are dysfunctional human beings, but those of us that have concealed carry permits are functional. If you live in New York City or Los Angeles, having a gun and carrying a gun is quite unusual. If you're in my part of the country, Ohio, it is common. Every year, about 40,000 Ohioans get concealed carry permits. The number now is well over hundreds of thousands of Ohioans have concealed carry permits, like in Florida. I often visit a home of mine in southwest Florida, which is a beautiful part of the state. And I assume almost everybody in Florida or Texas, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, have a concealed carry permit. I assume that, and I'm normally right. But if you're in New York City, if you're in Los Angeles, if you're in San Francisco, if you're in Chicago, it doesn't happen. And oddly enough, those are among the most violent places in America, right? And so don't tell me that for those of us who uh, want to exercise our Second Amendment freedoms, I can't do it because somebody else screws up. What if Richard Cimenta, the producer of the Mark Levin show, yells, Fire in a movie theater in New York City. Does that mean that I have no freedom of speech rights in Cincinnati? What if Richard Cementa practices his religion wrong in New York City? That means I give up my right to go to church, go to mass. I'm a practicing Roman Catholic in Cincinnati. How is it if somebody screws up in Parkland, Florida, that I gotta give up my rights in Ohio? He yelled fire in a movie theater. Now what? I don't have the freedom of speech anymore? If he did something wrong with a gun, that doesn't mean I lose my gun. Let's continue. The line becomes available, 877-381-3811. It's always an honor. I'm a fan to sit in for Mark Levin. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin.
0: and proud of it. Call the Mark Levin Show at 877
1: I'm Billy Cunningham, the great American, and for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark will be with you uh, tomorrow night, and I'm still waiting to hear anyone answering this question. I'm going to go to uh, Don in Virginia, then John in Panama City, and Michael in Georgia. Hey, can you recall any circumstance where police showed up and stopped a mass shooting uh, as it was going on? So what is the value of having an officer arrive when it's almost always irrelevant? Let's continue with Don in Virginia, the home of the Cavaliers, the number one ranked team in college basketball, next to my Xavier Musketeers. Don, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Please go ahead. Hello, Don. Hello, Don. Hello, Don. Goodbye, Don. Let's go to John in uh, Panama City in the Panhandle. John, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. John, please go ahead. Hey Bill,
7: you're a great American. God Listen, bless you. um, I was a teacher in Broward County and I gotta tell you, well, go back to your point that um nobody no cop has ever come in and and ten, eleven, twelve minutes afterwards and stopped the shooting. I had many friends that would have been happy to carry a gun. You know, a concealed weapon as a teacher, and um been able to stop think about the uh the uh, coach
1: the athletic that, director, yeah yeah that yeah, guy.
7: He, if he had was allowed to have a gun on campus, he would have easily been able to uh i mean he put his body in front instead of having his gun to shoot that guy.
1: I know a hell breaks loose. I know that you know cops from twenty or thirty feet have a hard time hitting an assailant. I know most cops will spend their entire career and never shoot a, shoot a weapon in anger, not one time. And nobody knows what's going to happen. The sounds are so loud, you lose your hearing. There was smoke everywhere because of all the discharges. I'm sure there was screaming and moaning and blood everywhere. Having said all that, I'd rather have an opportunity, a chance at saving my life and others by even having a 380 semi-automatic, something small, which can fit in the vest pocket without even seeing it, I'd rather have the opportunity of maybe saving my life and others than simply being uh, fodder for the cannon. I, I, I just believe that, 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 that you're in Broward County, and since you were there, I want to spend – I have an article out of Broward County that said in, uh, in 2013 a bunch of signatories passed the Collaborative Agreement on School Discipline. This was under the Department of Education under Obama, and Obama thought there was a school-to-prison pipeline. He wanted it stopped. And so he put out a missive from the Department of Education, do everything in your power not to turn students over to the criminal court system. And the ones who signed this in 2013 in Broward County were Robert Runcie, the superintendent, the state attorney, the public defender, the NAACP, Scott Israel, the Broward County Sheriff, the Florida, uh, poli- the Florida State Troopers. Everyone signed this agreement that said that when students commit crimes on campus, we won't send them to criminal court. So Nicholas Cruz committed all these felonies at school, and because of politics from the left, nobody referred him to the juvenile or to the adult court system for prosecution. If they'd done their job, which is turn-in felon, in this case Nicholas Cruz, he would have had a record of not been able to buy the gun. But nobody talks about that, do they?
7: They're right on the point because that uh, superintendent, they brought him down from somewhere in Michigan. He's a liberal, and uh, this Scott Israel, he's a lib. And I'm telling you, it's all politics with the sheriff's department down there. I know for a fact that that's the way they operate. And, you know, uh, he's a big buddy. Israel's a big buddy with, uh, you know, what's, uh, what's her name, the uh, you know, that uh, left-wing uh, uh, uh Congressman from down there
1: uh, um, debbie washerman schultz
7: debbie washerman schultz and let me tell you that's the way they are they're all about politics and he went right along with that and uh he needs to be removed i've oh. called down there oh. three four times for him to resign
1: you know my friend in the year 2015 obama welcomed Runsey to the white house to congratulate him there was an 80 percent reduction in arrest on campus 80 percent reduction And in Cruz's case, he committed numerous felonies, including bringing weapons to school, bringing bullets to school, kicking in classroom doors, starting fights, cursing out teachers, throwing chairs out of windows, threatening to kill other students, mutilating small animals, pulling a rifle on his mother, drinking gasoline, and cutting himself. He committed numerous felonies, but Runcie and Israel did not want to prosecute him because they were getting awards from Obama. And so can you imagine when you were in high school or I was in high school, if I show up in high school with a weapon, if I show up and beat up students or threaten to kill teachers, what happens? The police come in and take you out. They convict you. You have a record. You can't get a gun. So the liberals made it easy for Cruz to get a gun. And when he did, they blamed the NRA.
7: Exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. And the NRA has no responsibility here at all. They're a great organization, and this stuff where they're blaming them, they're blaming the guns, blaming the NRA is a joke.
1: They're blaming everyone but the perpetrator and those that allowed it to transpire. Exactly. about 39 visits from the police department and CPS, and in 39 visits, knowing felonies had been committed, they would not arrest him because there was a policy against the arrest of students. And he was never expelled. He was always transferred and suspended and kept coming back. This guy was waving red flags saying, I'm going to be a school shooter. He kept doing it for years. The FBI knew or should have known. The state knew or should have known. Broward County knew or should have known. The school district should have known. And he should have been prosecuted for dozens of crimes previously. Why pass more laws if we don't enforce the present ones?
7: Exactly. And, you know, so many people agree with you in Broward County, but it's such a political no. situation with uh, Israel and and that superintendent.
1: It's unbelievable. This, this agreement said we're not going to convict felons of crimes. We're going to set them free and let them go get guns and kill a bunch of people. Hey, it's it's an unbelievable thing, and, and I don't see much media coverage. When CNN pitched their tent down there for a week, they interviewed Robert Runcie on a regular basis. They didn't bring this up at all. It was a non-factor. I, I thought Jake Tapper, surprisingly, on that one Sunday, I think about eight eight nine days ago, did a pretty good job exposing Scott Israel, but Runcie got a free pass when he's the one that initiated the policy not to cause felons to be arrested on campus for felonies. I mean, it's the broken window stuff. You deal with the little stuff, never go to the big stuff. And everyone around him knew it was Nicholas Cruz who was the school shooter before they could identify him. This was a failure at the federal level, the state level, and the local level, and had nothing to do with a voluntary not-for-profit civil rights group. John, we got to go. Thanks for your call. Now let's go to Joey in Queens. Joey in Queens, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. And, Joey, please go ahead.
3: Hi, right, pal. Look, I'm just curious for one thing. All right, we went through the whole litany of, of 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 bad things that Nicholas Cruz did, but but I know you say don't pass more laws. But legally, even though he did all those things, you have to admit that he can walk into a gun show and buy a gun legally. And then, as he shoots it up, everybody's going to say, "See, he bought the gun legally." There's got to be a problem where an illegal alien knows that they can come to this country and buy a gun at a gun show. We have to stop that. We
1: have to stop be- people being able to buy a gun without a background well, check. Joey, you know, there's been – I hear what you're saying, and the problem I have is this. There is no evidence that gun show sales have anything to do with stopping crimes. For example, if there is a criminal, an alien, whatever you want to call him, and there's commercial background checks, all it takes is for that girlfriend or that boyfriend or whatever to walk in a brother – a straw purchaser, and go ahead and buy the gun, It, it, it it's, a, it's, a, it's, again, a level that will have no impact on crime whatsoever. If there was ever a gun show sale that resulted in a serious crime, the media would play that up big time, and the reason they haven't done it is because it doesn't happen. No, but all the sales are legal. Well, no, they're legal, but when you track the gun down on a mass shooting where it came from, not one time did it come from a gun show, and I've been to many gun shows. I go to gun shows. I'm safe as in my mother's arms in a gun show. There's not a problem with gun shows. So it's, again, a piece of legislation that would have no impact whatsoever on criminal misbehavior, makes liberals feel good, but it's another layer of bureaucracy that people shouldn't have to go through. And when you have background checks, about 30 to 40% are false positives. There's all kinds of people named Joe Brown and Jim Smith and whatever, And it's a complete collapse. Most of the time when you have a felony conviction in the county, they do not send that information to to the state. They don't send it to the feds. Dylan Roof got a gun because the FBI was behind and logging in his numerous criminal activities ahead of time. The system is in collapse. Joey, why don't we fix the present system before we enact new laws that aren't going to work anyway?
3: Yeah, but it just seems like such a talking point to me that the guy from Sandy Hook got his own legal because his mother left it to him. You shouldn't be allowed to leave your mentally ill child a gun. You know, it's Ill-
1: in Connecticut, well, Adam Lanza should not have been taken to gun ranges by his mother. He was mentally deranged. And this mother thought it might be good for him to go to gun ranges and shoot AR-15s. Now, if she had a gun locker and locked it up and nobody had the combination but her, that would be responsibility. But she committed crimes when she did not properly secure her AR-15 that Adam Lanza used to kill her, then kill 26 people at Sandy Hook. It was already against the law what she did. So what else do you? What other law do you pass on a book somewhere and say, "Okay, the Adam Lances of this world won't get this gun now because we passed this law." They violated all the laws anyway. And any no responsible parent ever should have taken a mentally ill child to a gun range to shoot AR-15s. That was already against the law. In Connecticut, not properly securing your gun is against the law. Shooting your mother in the head is against the law. Murdering 26 people, including 20 students, is against the law. What else can you do? What other law can you pass?
3: Um, Actually acquiring the gun legally.
1: Well, she acquired it legally. There was nothing wrong with her at all. She could acquire the gun in Connecticut, which is a pretty tough state, and she got it legally, and then she did a horrible job as a mother by allowing him access to her guns when he's mentally ill. And, and in fact, Adam Lanza kept a journal of numerous mass shootings in his bedroom and kept track of how many many people were killed in mass shootings. Now, the mother, with that in her home, should have known what was going on. It was against the law what she did. What other law can we pass?
2: Mm, All right. right. Joey, thank Uh, you
1: for uh, your call. Thanks for calling. Let's continue with more. If a line becomes available, 877-381-3811. Still waiting. Can anyone, and Mark Levin's audience is the most bright in the history of talk radio, better than Rush, better than mine, better than uh, Laura, better than my hero, Sean Hannity. Better even than maybe Curtis Sliwa. The audience here is tremendous. Can anyone think of an occasion where a police officer shows up and stops a mass shooting as it's going on? Peterson had that chance, didn't he, in Broward County? Look how he acted. Let's continue with more. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Thousands on hold, millions are listening. One last thought before I turn things back over to you, uh, Andrew and Michael and Don and many others. The number to call is 877-381-3811. Have you noticed that the left, the moveon.org, the Planned Parenthood that murders 3,000 babies a day, has kind of taken up the cause of the Parkland, Florida shooting and using these 16- and 15- and 17-year-old students as props in their argument to set up this march on Washington in about two weeks? that they are funded now, these students, who a student actually looked at Marco Rubio, who's a fine U.S. senator in Florida, and said, whenever I look at you, I see the face of Nicholas Cruz. Now, how do you respond to a 16-year-old boy that says that to you? You can't be harsh with that person because they survived a mass shooting. But it's the way the left manipulates the media and rephrases and, rech- and changes the terms of the debate. This is not about the needs or wants or desires of 16- or 17-year-olds that have been traumatized terribly. This is about a United States Constitutional Bill of Rights principle that is one of the foundations of our country. The only reason the Constitution passed, 1787 it was written, it was passed a couple years later, is because there was the Bill of Rights, which are the 10, 1 through 10, that defines the relationship of individual Americans, not groups, Individual Americans to their government, and the, the the four freedoms in the First Amendment and the freedom in the Second Amendment is quite clear that Americans have the right to keep and bear arms. That's what it means. That's what it says. We have the right to uh, to, to freedom of speech. We have the right to associate. The freedom of we have the right to, to press and uh, to the press and the right of our religion. That's what we have. Those are the five most important personal freedoms that the founders of this country said that we have as individual Americans. At no point in the Constitution are there groups defined by race or gender or sexual orientation that give anyone else special rights. So in the Constitution, you have the right to practice your religion. You have the right to freedom of speech. You have the right to freely associate. And you have the right to keep and bear arms. One helps the other. That's what our Constitution says. Australia, Europe, doesn't have that. But we've had that now since uh, 1787, the right to keep and bear arms. And so when those rights are infringed upon, there must be a compelling state interest that overrides the clear dictates of the Bill of Rights, a compelling state interest. If somebody in some other state violates the law, such as yelling fire in a movie theater, it doesn't mean that I lose my freedom of speech in Cincinnati, Ohio. If somebody in Parkland, Florida, Commits crime with a weapon that I have in Cincinnati, a thousand miles away. It doesn't mean because that person abused their rights by committing criminal acts a thousand miles from me that somehow Bill Cunningham or you lose your right to uh, keep and bear arms because somebody else did something wrong. Nobody would contend that. If somebody misapplies the freedom of association, the freedom of religion, freedom of speech, the freedom of the press, If someone abuses that, do I lose my rights because of their misconduct? Only in the gun debate does the media and young children used by the left as political props are allowed to make arguments such as, Marco Rubio, when I look at you, I see the face of Nicholas Cruz. And get away with it. That is hate speech. Blatant hate speech. I get that. But the left will use, because of PR and their money, to get as many people as possible of that age group to Washington, I think it's March 24th, to protest the present gun laws, which were not followed in this case whatsoever. We have so many 10,000 laws, rules, and regulations. How about beginning the process of enforcing them before we enact brand new laws that not not be enforced anyway? The uh, so-called national background check system is a joke. It is a joke. 20 to 40 percent of the time, local, municipal, and felony courts do not give over to the national system the fact that someone has been convicted. There are millions of entries that are false. There are millions of names in that system that should not be there. There are many, many millions of false positives. And so how about correcting the present system before we enact brand new laws equally that will not be followed instead of so acting as if there's some easy solution to this problem when there's 15 million AR-15s out there now. Let's continue. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one. Mark
0: the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
1: Well, our leader is uh, on sabbatical tonight. We'll be back with you tomorrow night. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin. The -uh, school-to-prison pipeline wanted to be disrupted in Broward County because it fit the political goals of Barack Hussein Obama and Superintendent of Schools Robert Renzi, and also uh, Broward County Sheriff Scott Israel and the NAACP. They had an 80% reduction between uh, 2013 and 2018 in referrals to the criminal court system. And i like to know this. If, John, if Cruz, Nicholas Cruz was not referred, which he was not, for carrying weapons to school, having bullets in school, kicking in classroom doors starting fistfights in uh, the hallway and in the uh, lunchroom, and uh, throwing chairs in classes, threatening to kill other students. If that is not enough to get you referred to juvie court or to adult court if you're 18, I'd like to know what the other 20% did. other 20% somehow were referred to juvenile or to adult court, engaging in worse behavior than Nicholas Cruz. What in the heck did they do? Let's continue with your calls. We have Michael, Don, and Sherry in uh, New Orleans and Andrew and many others. First, Michael in the great state of Georgia. Michael, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Michael, please go ahead.
7: All right. Thank you um,
8: for taking yes, my call. Um, yes, I'm, I'm a little upset about the guy that called earlier um, who was saying that, you know, if you arm the teachers, that they not right. There's going to be a disaster. Exactly. Um, I, have, I carry, I have a concealed weapons carry permit in Georgia. I'm a social worker and I carry, I've never had to use it. Um, I guarantee you, if I was in that Florida school with my 9mm with 17 shots, I would have taken that guy out before he killed all those people. At
1: some point, if you can imagine standing, uh, using an AR-15, he had no hearing whatsoever after the first two or three rounds. He had no hearing, there was smoke everywhere, it was absolute chaos. If someone like you, or a real cop, had been in that situation, you could have walked up behind him and popped him right in the head. He wouldn't have known, he couldn't have heard you.
8: That's exactly right, and he's he's not on the defensive, he's running around thinking nobody's in there with a gun, he's not expecting somebody to come in there with a gun and, and shoot at him, so... But we have a problem with, with the school systems themselves where my son told me that in his school in Georgia, he had in high school had to sign away his Fourth Amendment rights in order to attend school. That's something right. that they sign when they right. sign up for school, and which mean, means he has to be subject to uh, search and seizure at any time. They're not allowed – kids are taught they're not allowed to fight back if somebody's bullying them or attacking them. They have to just sit there and take it or else they're going to get suspended along with the rest of right. uh, the kids. So, you know, that's why you see some of these kids that are anti-self-defense they're, because they're brainwashed and taught that they're not allowed to defend themselves. This country was founded on defending itself. You know, when the Red Coats came over, imagine if we all just laid down and said, well, come take
1: us. Well, Michael, do you have trouble? Does your employer know that at work as a social worker you're armed? Does your employer well, know that?
8: They recommend that we don't, but they don't tell us that we can't. So it's kind of like a you know don't ask don't tell. Um, you know, and I don't I don't keep it out visible in front of the no. kids, but you no. know I do drug screens and things like that on on people sure. working for family and children's
1: service. So, so, so you carry the gun rather discreetly it's not on your hip people don't know you have it it's the way things are you can do it discreetly and they never know correct
8: exactly that's that's exactly that's right. my point about a teacher um,
1: a teacher could discreetly carry a weapon and never publicize the fact that's going on and just in the off chance this you know there's been four mass shootings in school this year not not 18 there's been four. But the odds of getting hit, like hit by lightning, but it's the same thing about fire insurance or car insurance. My house has never burned down, but I have fire insurance anyway. I've never been in a collision that I've caused, but I still have car insurance. It's like an insurance policy, and doesn't it give you peace of mind as you do your job?
8: It does, um, definitely. And I also carry at church, and I'm a youth leader at my church. And it's you know we've seen some shootings at churches and I carry it in there. and you know there's some, my, my pastor knows that I carry it in the church. And, and
1: Michael, a nine conference. millimeter is a terribly effective weapon. I'm, I'm watching Jeff Tubin the other night on CNN say that a nine millimeter or a 40 Glock is no match for an AR15. That's not true. A nine millimeter is a deadly weapon, correct?
8: It's a deadly weapon, and it depends on, you know, in the state of Georgia we're allowed to shoot hollow, have hollow points. In other states like New Jersey, you can't have hollow points. So if, if you're shooting a hollow point 9mm, that is going to kill somebody before a regular uh, metal jacket.
1: And every now and then an AR-15, like the church shooting in Texas, the neighbor came out, the murderer in the Texas church had an AR-15. He was 50 to 60 yards away. The odds of having a handgun from 50 or 60 yards away hitting somebody is quite small. But if you know how to use an AR15, 50 yards is not that big a deal. There's many circumstances where an AR15 is more appropriate than a 9mm or a 40 or a 357 or a 380. And that was a circumstance where an AR15 matched up against an AR15 and justice was done.
8: That was beautiful. That guy did uh, he did a very good Uh, deed for for our country to show that. Yeah, You
1: know, Michael, we had the uh, retired cop on that said teachers should never be armed. Well, right now in America, there are thousands of teachers armed legally in school because many states allow that. There are many rural areas where a cop might be 20, 30 minutes away, and it's quite rare, it's possible, but it's quite rare when a cop with a gun stops a mass shooting. Very rare, but it does happen. The great majority of time, the cop shows up to deal with the carnage after the fact, and don't you feel more comfortable having a gun?
8: I, de- I definitely do, and the people that are within my circle feel very comfortable knowing that I'm that I'm carrying a gun, and that I train with my gun. I go, we do paintball uh, shooting. My nephew's in the Marine Corps right now, somewhere around Afghanistan, and he said when he comes back, he wants to go do some paintball shooting with the family. So there's ways to train for combat, for these type of situations, that guy was very insulting that said that it would be a disaster for kids no, to, to carry no. handguns.
1: You never know what's going to happen until it happens, but I sense if I'm around a guy like you, and you can keep cool, keep calm, and give you a good opportunity at surviving. All you get in life is a shot. You get a chance. And I have confidence. He was condescending. He was kind of nasty toward me and toward you and saying a guy like you is incompetent, And you're going to have suicide by social worker. That somehow something will happen, and you're going to lose control of yourself and kill somebody. Has that even? Has that happened in your life? That that's never happened. My father was a
8: police officer in Newark, New Jersey, for 35 years. Never had to use his uh, gun on anyone. Um, Which is common. Which is common. And I've never, you know, and I've made the statement before that, you know, if somebody breaks in my house. You know, I'm not going to shoot to kill them. If I have to shoot them, I might shoot them in the leg first and then wait for the police to get there, you know. Something. Um,
1: But but in my home, I have my gun in a lockbox with a a quick combination. I don't want to get up in the middle of the night thinking I hear something. I want to be able to go through a process to be ready to fire the weapon if necessary, knowing the great majority of injuries in a home are between loved ones. So I want to have my weapon available in a lockbox. My mind's got to be operating so that i got to hit the numbers in the right sequence. I always have an empty chamber in my revolver, so i got to hit it twice. And and, and you just act like a – and something might happen where you lose control. Chaos is everywhere. The first casualty of war is the battle plans. You don't know, Michael, what you're going to do in a crisis. But uh, I'd rather have you armed and have the other person armed than you being unarmed, like that athletic director and coach that had nothing to put between him and his body him and the murderer, Nicholas Cruz, except uh, persuasive language. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity and maybe saving your life, and that's what it's all about. The Second Amendment is to help us against government and to make us feel safe and secure in our homes, and having weapons in my house makes me feel secure, and there's nothing wrong with that, and damn it, they can have my gun when they pry my dead, cold fingers off the trigger. I will keep my weapons because that is my right. You can't take away my right of speech of assembly, of association, or press. I have the opportunity to listen to talk radio. I can watch Fox. I can watch Breitbart. That's my, as an American, that's a fundamental right that I have to defend myself, and I'll be damned if I'm going to let the politicians take it away.
8: That's right. And there was, like, what, 14,000 people killed with guns in 2017, somewhere around there. Yeah, about that. I think 300 were with rifles. So, and only 100 of those were with what they call assault rifles, which there's really no such word as an assault rifle. That's, that, that's,
1: not, a, that's not a word that means anything. I mean, it, it, cosmetically, it's called an assault weapon. It's made to look a certain way because it sells. But there's no crime wave conducted by those with AR-15s. It doesn't happen.
8: Absolutely. And I like what you said about uh, earlier, you know, um, the mom giving the you know letting everybody down by like giving her mentally handicapped son a, a weapon. What about you know, that? Are, are you going to give a set of car keys to a drunk?
1: Well, she she allowed an AR-15 to be used by a mentally disabled young adult who had a list of mass shootings that he wanted to beat. That's Adam Lanza, and to to have her weapons available to a person like that was a crime in and of itself. And she, and no one should die for what she did, not even, not her. She made a terrible mistake that resulted in her murder and the murder of 26 innocent people, including 20 kids. And it happened not because the AR-15 is some inanimate metal object. It happened because of her personal criminal behavior. And if the personal criminal behavior of Nicholas Cruz was properly recognized, and not excused by liberals, he would have had a criminal conviction and would have been in prison and never able to buy an AR-15. So we got plenty of laws that can stop almost all these mass shootings. When Omar Mateen, the Pulse nightclub, was interviewed twice by the police, the FBI, and he was cleared by the FBI. The Zarnaev brothers, the Boston Marathon bombers, were cleared by the FBI. Hell, Lee Harvey uh, Lee, uh, Oswald was cleared by the FBI a month before he blew Kennedy's head off. And so we have enough laws in place right now to handle these situations, but we got to enforce the laws that we have, and the national background check system is a disgrace. It doesn't work. It has millions of false entries. And the criminal court system rarely provides to the national uh, criminal background check system accurate information. It is a joke. And so until we have more laws, how about enforcing the ones we got?
3: Well, you can't even enforce
8: the ones that we have when you have the – there's a law, I think, against selling – rifles, uh, illegal rifles, across country lines and sure. to uh, gangs and stuff. And we have the that. President of the United States selling illegal guns to Mexico in the Fast and the Furious.
1: And uh, patrol <laughs> officer Terry was murdered. And you, you, you also have a situation where, under the Obama administration, there were at least 200,000 times that individuals filled out information on the, uh, on the ATF form That was knowingly false, and he didn't prosecute hardly anybody. So we have felonies that say when you fill out that form to buy a gun, you must provide accurate and truthful information. At least 200,000 times there were felonies committed under the Obama administration that they did not prosecute those individuals. How about enforcing the present law before we enact brand new ones? Isn't that a novel idea?
8: That would be, I think so.
1: Well, Michael good luck to you and keep carrying your uh, your 9 millimeter. keep doing it. Thank you for your call Michael thank you let's continue with more. If a line becomes available 877 381 3811 coming up next is David and Don and Sheree Sh- and, and Andrew and many others I love New Orleans. If a line becomes available 877-381-3811 Bill Cunningham the Great American and in for the great one Mark Levin.
2: Mark Levin.
1: The great American and for the Great One, Mark Levin. Let's continue now with Dave in Westchester, New York. And, David, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Please go ahead.
9: Well, how are you doing, Michael? Michael, right? That's your name?
1: Bill like Cunningham, the Great American.
9: My... Bill? Yes. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Bill. That's right. Uh nice, nice to meet you, Bill. Listen, um, I, I have a couple of things to say. Uh, first of all, when Barack Obama was president, there was a lot of uh, Islamic terrorist attacks on U.S. soil, and, you know, there was a lot of cells, and there was bird up in Hancock, New York, all right? That's just right. one of the camps. Now,
2: right, that
9: made a lot of American people very, very nervous. Sure. And I bet you, if you, if you look at the statistics on how many people, American people, bought AR-15s, AK-47s, and every other kind of uh, block, handgun, high-capacity, only for the reason to protect themselves against a rogue band of, of Islamic terrorist squads going throughout the villages and towns, because no one trusted Obama. Everybody sensed Obama was working for for um, the Islamic terrorists. You have to understand that he hmm. created ISIS. Him and Hillary, and and you mentioned the FBI. You know Oswald. Okay. Maybe there's some Hillary Clinton FBI holdovers that are communists like her and they're loyal and they allowed this kid to do what he did because they wanted the communists want to take our guns and General Patton said that we would have a problem with the communist Bolsheviks in 50 years. He said that was going to happen and Patton (laughs) and Patton wanted to destroy the Bolsheviks right then. he was going to take German prisoners and 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 pardon German prisoners if they were willing to help him destroy the Bolsheviks. And Eisenhower turned his back on Pat because FDR was always a communist and he was. Well, FDR was
1: dead. Uh, that's uh, David. That's enough. Thanks for calling. But by that point, FDR was dead. He died in April of 1945. All that that other stuff happened to Harry S. Truman. The American people in 1945 in May and June never would have put up with a land army against the Russian Bolsheviks. It never would have happened, but thanks for your call. Uh, Let's continue with more. Coming up is Don and Sherry and Jim and many others. Nicholas Cruz, Adam Lanza, both crazy. Certifiably, criminally nuts. But what also is crazy is when functioning adults engage in experiments using high school kids almost as guinea pigs, making sure that criminal, insane activity is not uh, held up for prosecution because it didn't fit the narrative of the National Democratic Party. That was the problem. So when the so-called promise, this collaborative agreement was entered into, the idea was to stop arrest. What it did was indirectly incentivize the murder of innocent people. Let's continue with more. Bill Cunningham in for Mark Levitt.
0: Levin was a kid. His teachers didn't like his snide sense of humor. Today, they still don't like it. Call Mark Levin now at 877-381-3811.
1: Billy Cunningham, the great American, in for Mark Levin, the great one, who will be with us tomorrow night. And I want to thank Richard Cement as so many others at WABC that make all this happen so smoothly Let's continue with your calls. We have Don and then Cherie's been there for a long time. Gotta to get to Jim in Scranton and Lou in Connecticut and Don in Virginia. Welcome to the Mark Levin show. Don, please go ahead.
10: Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, here, here to your last caller, the social worker who was an advocate for a concealed carry. My wife is a RN in a, uh, in a middle school, uh, in Richmond. And, uh, she's just gotten her certificate and through all this she's been saying, my gosh, you know, if 10% of teachers had concealed carry, would these Nicholas, Cruz uh, Cruises come waltzing into schools, uh, to do these things? But, but anyway, I, I always, and I tell Mark, uh, uh and also Andrew, uh, Wilkow, you all need to be repeating regularly, the country in this world that has the least amount of murder, that has, has the lowest House break-ins is Switzerland, because 92% of the residents there have guns, and many of them are semi-automatic. There is no crime there. The 50 states of the United States, from the top to the bottom, the one with the least stringent uh, gun laws has the lowest amount of crime, all the way reciprocating to the bottom. I don't even understand why there can be, why we're debating the issue. It's absolutely... Uh, a no-brainer. But well, Don, I what
1: know, happens the Democratic Party and CNN easily misleads the easily misled into believing lies and foibles that have no not anchored in reality. And, and the fact is, if you would take out of America's crime statistics the top ten cities, take out the top ten cities in crime, we have about the same crime rate as Switzerland. It, it, and we have a crime rate going down, down, and down because so many Americans have concealed carry and because of consequences, that's the great bulk of our country. Every now and then I do an interview on the BBC. It's called Report from the Colonies. And when I relate, if you watch CNN in Europe, you think we're in complete meltdown. When Ferguson was going on, when Baltimore was going on, with Trump. We're pictured around the world because of the Clinton News Network. as a chaotic, awful place where there's riots and crime. I don't know what part of... Uh, Virginia, You live in, I guess, in and around Richmond. But where I live in Cincinnati, I seldom hear a siren. There's hardly any crime. My section of Cincinnati has not had a murder in 25 years. It's extremely safe and sane. And it's safe and sane because of responsible Americans that have weapons. I think it'd be stupid to break into a home in my area of Cincinnati. You're likely to get shot. But the other sections, like in Chicago, and how about this, Don? Uh, we took the community organizer from the south side of Chicago with maybe the worst record in the country for crime, no job creation, lack of educational achievement, and made him the president. We took the community organizer with Louis Farrakhan, who's an anti-Semite and a racist and a friend of his. We made that guy the president. It's amazing to look at the, how America is pictured around the world and how we are in reality. Well, that's why Jong-un, his favorite station is CNN. He loves them. If you watch CNN, you think Trump is an abject criminal and a failure, that racists are everywhere. If you look at a Hollywood movie that promotes sexual harassment, rape, and criminal activity, and they preach to us about not using guns when their movies are filled with them. They preach to us about sexual harassment when their producers and directors rape women on a regular basis, they preach to us about how we behave when they're Sodom and Gomorrah. How do they get away with that?
10: Oh, yeah. Well, you're music to my ears. And I love that last caller. I'd forgotten what Patton said yeah. about the Bolsheviks. I yeah. they gave you a chill. But the reason I thought you were saying 45 minutes ago, you prattled through the short history. I love that. of. Uh, the FBI of these assassinations, right. of Oswald forward, um, and the FBI getting red flags and, and failing to foil the shooting. My question to you is, if God came down and gave the FBI an infallible crystal ball that would enable them to see a week before any any mass shooting, uh, how how would the FBI, even if they knew perfect, unquestionable information about Nicholas Cruz, in, a, in this real world, in our legal situation, how would the FBI be able to stop Cruz a week before when he, before he had created, committed any crime? Uh,
1: on January the fifth, when they were notified uh, that the Nicholas Cruz in Broward County had done these all these things, there's something in Florida called the Baker Law, which allows the police to take away deadly weapons from someone having a mental health emergency. And so, if they would have done their job on January sixth, seventh, or eighth. And I love cops. I love the FBI. As an attorney, I've represented police officers quite often, 99.9%. I'm with them. But the FBI is so overwhelmed. When I talk to agents, I talk to ATF, I talk to the uh, U.S. Marshal Service, they're overwhelmed. They can't do any more work. And, And right now, if you have a false positive on the national background check system, they're four years removed from correcting it. That we need twice as many, three times more FBI agents. But but if they had knowledge about Nicholas Cruz, there was a law in Florida that would have permitted them to take away the AR-15. Also, because Cruz committed felonies at school, he should have been prosecuted. But liberal Democrats did not want to have the, the uh, classroom-to-prison pipeline filled with persons of color, which Nicholas, Nicholas Cruz probably was not. He might have been Hispanic, but I'm not sure. But the liberals do not want people locked up, and so when when the FBI interviews numerous individuals and they're overwhelmed, they interviewed Lee Harvey Oswald, they interviewed Dylan Roof, they errors by the FBI, they interviewed Omar Mateen, they interviewed the Fort Hood shooter twice. That they they did all these interviews and these mass shootings took place because they are overwhelmed. We have 1.3 million bureaucrats in Washington who take off work when it's windy. We ought to have some money committed to the FBI, to law enforcement, to ATF, to the Border Patrol. That's where the money needs to be, not in bureaucrats in the Department of Education. The FBI has a terrible record when it comes to stopping mass shootings. There might have been one with the congressional incident with Stephen Scalise that were stopped by a couple cops. But the FBI has a terrible record. How about interviewing Lee Harvey Oswald a month before the Kennedy assassination and missing that one? It's, you know, Don, I don't know what to say. The only answer I get from the agents I talk to is that we are overwhelmed. We have too much work to do, and right now you have dozens of FBI agents in Washington chasing down the Russian collusion delusion and looking at Qatar. How about taking those agents and going after the 50 state investigations involving ISIS? What's wrong with that? All right. John, we got to go. Thanks for your call. Let's go to Cherie in New Orleans. Cherie in New Orleans, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Cherie, I love New Orleans. Please go ahead.
11: Thank you so much for taking my call. The only thing I wanted to say is that uh, Fort Hood was stopped by police that headed to the scene. It didn't completely stop it from happening, but it stopped it from going any further, as did the two Capitol Police in the case of Steve Scalise. Right. But I think all the laws they're trying to make to stop these shootings are not going to work. You have to get rid of gun-free zones, because that's where 98% of these shootings have happened. You know, back in 1979, New Orleans Police Department went on strike, and crime actually went down because everyone armed up.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Korean grocers defended themselves during the LA riots with AK-47s and AR-15s. There are sometimes a Derringer is good, there are sometimes a Glock is good, there's sometimes a Lady Smith and Wesson is good, and there's sometimes an AR-15 is good. That's and I exactly I should mean. decide that for myself, not have the government decide it for me because somebody misused a rifle at some point, it doesn't mean I should le- lose my rights.
11: That's right. A, a podcast I heard earlier today said that, and it's true, the only people who are affected by these new gun laws are the law abiding. When someone commits a robbery, the robber goes to jail. It doesn't affect you and I. But when someone commits a shooting, we're the ones who pay for it because they put laws that affect us. If a law was going to stop it, the one making murder illegal would have stopped it.
1: Well, you and I will follow the law because we're law-abiding normal Americans. But the law, the laws don't apply to the criminal, mentally insane, or to the terrorist. And the only way a mass shooting takes place is that a criminally insane person or a terrorist. No sane person walks into a school. By definition, Adam Lanza, Nicholas Cruz, uh, Dylan Roof, uh, Mateen, they're either terrorist or they're criminally insane. Now, they're not going to follow any rule or law anyway. What rule or law would Omar Mateen and followed or the Zanaev brothers? They didn't use a gun. They used a pressure cooker. So what law? If we pass another law, because somebody did something wrong with an AR-15 in Parkland, Florida, that means I lose my rights? He yelled fire in a movie theater so I can't speak anymore? How come in the Constitution, if someone misuses their rights, that I'm a victim of their misuse? How does that work?
11: You and I think exactly the same way. It's like it's like really
1: and I've seen the stats. I think there's 14 or 15,000 murders in America and and I think something less than 1% are committed by rifles. I mean it is rare to use a semi-automatic rifle in the commission of any crime. It is extremely rare. 1% would be what uh, 140 and I think it's less than 200 murders committed by a rifle. And if a rifle wasn't available, they would have used a Glock. And so it doesn't stop anybody law-abiding from doing anything. And it, 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 it doesn't stop the criminally insane or terrorists. They're going to keep doing with a bus, with a truck, with a pressure cooker. Right. But, but somehow, I
11: somehow every day, but I have not gone out and committed a mass shooting.
1: You haven't done it yet. Not yet. I well, don't
11: see it happening.
1: If you do do that, don't punish me. Don't come to me and say Sharia New Orleans acted up with her AR-15 or her 380 Sig Sauer pocket light P238. Therefore, Bill Cunningham, you got to give us your weapons or you got to register. You got to go through some other hoop. And this gun show loophole is a canard. If you're a federally licensed gun dealer, you go through a background check. But I guess there are gun shows, maybe in Louisiana. There's some in Kentucky, where private individuals sell their guns privately to a private person. Now, why should the government be involved in that? I want to know, is there a problem from sales at gun shows? Is there some massive crime wave committed by those Americans at a gun show? I'm not aware of it, are you? No, I haven't heard of it yet. And if it did happen, I guarantee you Jake Tapper would be on it like red on a rose. If that happened, you and I would have to give up going to gun shows, I guess. I don't know what would happen. If somebody gets shoot in a firing range, the first time that happens, I guess they got to shut down firing ranges. You can't go shoot anywhere. It's crazy. But the media allows the Democrats to mislead the easily misled, because the Democrats want power back, and they want to impeach Trump. And they're never, ever going to give him a victory legislatively on anything. They're not going to stand behind him in the Rose Garden as he corrects gun difficulties or the immigration difficulties. They never will permit him. When he said 1.8 million illegals are going to make them legal and make them not just residents but citizens, the Democratic Party said, oh, my gosh, what do we do now? He offered citizenship to illegals, and that wasn't enough. They will never allow this president to have a legislative victory. It doesn't fit their political goals. Exactly. All right, Cherie, you're a great American. Thanks for calling. Let's continue with more. Last segment coming up. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin.
2: Mark Levin.
1: Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for Mark Levin. I want to thank Richard Cimenta, the executive producer of the Mark Levin Show, and also Mike, the great call screener, for putting it through. And I, I say it many times whenever I pinch it for Mark, I feel the same way. The most intelligent, the brightest, the most uh, mentally uh, supple audience in all of talk radio is Mark Levin's audience. It's wonderful. Let's continue. Don't screw it up. Rich in Los Angeles, then Allen in uh, Florida. Rich in Los Angeles, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Mark, uh, Rich, please go ahead.
5: Hey, thanks for taking my call. I wanted to say that having armed teachers I don't think is going to stop a school shooting because by the time they hear shots, it's already too late.
1: Not necessarily but, because you might hear the shot at someone else and respond. And right now we have thousands of teachers in America presently armed in about 13 states. So what would you say to them?
5: Uh, well, I would, I would think we could do better and, and prevent it completely by putting armed security at every entry point with metal detectors to prevent a shooter from ever getting in.
1: Well, you know, I don't think the shooter would care about metal detectors. He'd go right through that. And secondly, well, yeah, there's an armed
5: guard there with it.
1: Well, you shoot him. And the, the fact of the matter is that these crazy, mentally deranged individuals come into generally gun-free zones. And in the Broward situation, there was a deputy sheriff who was a coward that did not enter, but he was not in the building. And so shouldn't it be up to local school districts to determine that and not a distant, far away federal government? If you're in Los Angeles, and shouldn't Los Angeles determine in Los Angeles schools what happens there and let Idaho determine what happens in Idaho, why have a national policy at all? Let the locals like you decide. And if you don't want it, don't have it. I agree. I mean I, right now I live in a part of Ohio where there's guns everywhere. Most of my friends carry guns. I talked to Rich Clemente off the air my uh, Mark Levin's producer. He said nobody carries a gun in New York City because if you do under De Blasio you'll be uh, go to prison. I assume in Los Angeles does hardly anyone carry a gun in LA isn't it illegal? Yes it is. Okay, where I am it's completely legal and common. In fact, friends of mine have guns in their golf bags. Nobody in a wreck in Ohio would get out of their car and confront somebody else in a wreck because they're likely to have a gun. And my point is, Connecticut is not Idaho. California is not Kentucky. I would have one national law about a background check system that doesn't work and then let each locality determine what they do with schools. Got to run. Thank you, Alan in Florida. Alan, go ahead. I want to get you on before we go off there. Alan, go ahead.
8: Yeah, good evening. I'll make it quick. got uh, three little points. One, I think tomorrow I'm going to go to the police station
10: and turn in my pressure cooker. Please <laughs> and do. Then, yeah. And then secondly, I believe in hardening the schools, but I'm concerned. I'm a concealed carry.
8: And I know that if I draw my weapon, I'm going to be scrutinized under that yeah. circumstances. And yeah. if I happen to kill somebody, it's even going to be worse. So I'm afraid of putting the teachers in that much jeopardy if they're not somehow by
1: law uh, covered like an officer would be if he drew his weapon. and Well, took look at this way. Don't put them in that position. Let them decide, and the local principal, superintendent, and school board, let them decide what the rules and regulations are. I'd rather have an armed cop in every school. I think that's the best. But some rural areas can't have an armed cop. It doesn't make economic sense. And so... What is wrong with you in Florida determining what your Florida schools look like and me in Ohio or Richard Cementa in New York, let each locality determine what to do. Does that make sense?
7: Yes. Well I heard that one that was suggested
8: by an officer that you, you pretty much deputize the teacher. Then that kind of covers them in case they draw sure. and fire. Sure. They're not you know, they're they're less
10: Uh, Able to or less likely to be prosecuted.
1: Alan, we got to go. Thanks for your call. That's a great point. I want localities to determine whether teachers are armed or not, and not the federal government. Idaho is not like New York City. Pleasure pinch hitting for Mark Levin. I am told that Mark Levin will be with you and I tomorrow night. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for Mark Levin.